fishermen. And so they recognize that when storms come up on the sea, that they can come up rapidly and they can come up strong and that um, lots of bad things can happen. And so they recognize that this is a dangerous situation, um, but that's what Jesus told them to do, so that's what they went. And so Jesus comes out in the fourth watch of the night. The fourth watch of the night is between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. So it's possible that sunlight is starting to come up. Um, we don't know because it doesn't say what time during that fourth watch that um, Jesus came out on the water. But the disciples see him, and all of a sudden they're afraid of the thief to go. Because I'm sure that there's probably some rumors running around that those who have died as a result of fishing out in the sea and getting caught in a storm um, could be there. And so he comes out, and he's walking on the water, and he tells them, don't be afraid. It's me. And um, so Peter, in all of his impetuousness, says, you know, well, if it's you, Lord, tell me to come out on the water with you. And, you know, I think I'm reading the scripture, and it dawned on me, you know, some of us have um, the bad habit of speaking before we actually think about what we're going to say. And, you know, you say something, and then you realize, oh, I probably shouldn't have said that out loud. Um, and I often wonder if maybe Peter, he said that, and then he was like, oh, what did I just say? Or was he thinking, is Jesus going to really call me out there? And that's what Jesus does. He says, come. And so Peter climbs out of the boat, and he walks on the water. He takes the plunge, and there he goes. And so it says in this scripture that he starts walking on the water, but then he sees the storm around him, and he starts to sink. And, Jesus, and he cries out to Jesus, and he says, Lord, save me. And Jesus stretches out his hand, and he takes his hand, and he lifts him up out of the sea, and they climb into the boat, and the storm ceases. And that is why. Um, and then what do they do? They worship him. The disciples worship him. So there's a couple different points I want to make out of this scripture um, that just really um, hit me home. Hit home for me. Um, the first one is that peace is found in the presence of Jesus, not in the absence. And that's something that we need to remember is that we are not promised peace when we become believers. Amen. Amen. We are promised that Jesus will always be there for us. Thank you, Lord. And I, that really, I think it baffles some people, especially those who aren't believers, because a lot of people, when they come to Jesus, if they, you know, with a really shallow faith, because that's how they come. They think peace is when there are no storms. You know, peace Amen. is when I don't have a problem in my life. My marriage is perfect. Financially, I'm stable. I've got money in the bank. My kids are great. They're all doing well in school. None of them have been suspended. Um, they're all good kids. Um, just everything is falling in line. But that's not true peace, and it's no. not true life. Because 
It never happens that way. Um, so, what's interesting is that Peter walks out onto the water and he has his eyes focused on Jesus. But it's when he takes off his eyes off of Jesus yes. because the scripture says he sees the thorn. So, we yes. know from that phrase yes. that he took his eyes off of Jesus. Amen. And that's when he started to sink. And so, we need to remember. No matter what we do and where we go, we have to keep our eyes focused on Jesus. Yes. Because even in really stormy times and really tough times, Jesus is going to be there. And he is our peace. And he's going to help us through Amen. Yes. whatever it is we're going through. Thank you, Lord. We need to keep our focus on Jesus. Yes. Yes. And Jesus yes. wants to be our peace. And that's where we need to focus. I remember when my dad was dying, and my mom, I knew my mom was a complete wreck. Um, and so at that time, I had flown down to Southern California where my parents were to help my mom take care of my dad. And I just asked the Lord for myself, for peace and for strength to be there for my mom. And I just, I love how the Lord answers that prayer. Because I was there for my mom, and I never really felt the stress of the situation because the Lord gave me his peace for that entire circumstance. The second um, thing I want to touch on is that faith requires stepping onto the boat. So when you think about it, there were 12 disciples in that boat and only one stepped out. And that's where our faith needs to be. Everybody likes comfort and safety. I mean, we all have a comfort zone where we like to be. Um, we like our group of friends. We like our church family. Um, we like being in our homes. We have this little comfort bubble where we all feel safe. But sometimes Jesus tells us, I want you to step out of that comfort I want you to do yeah. something that you can't do on your own. Amen. We had a, when Dave and I were in Astoria at a church there, and he was the youth pastor at the church, and the pastor had this big, I can't remember if it was a sign that he put on the wall in the fellowship hall, or if it was something that was painted on there, but it said something to the effect of, um, never attempt something that the Lord can't. It was something that, that wasn't right. It said something to the effect that if you're going to attempt something, attempt something that you can only do with the Lord's help. You know, or something like that. So basically, it was saying that if you're going to do something and you think you can't do it, if the Lord is calling you to do it, He will take you through it. So He yeah. will always be there for you. Anna, Jesus is going to ask us throughout our entire lives to do things that we're not comfortable doing and to step out of that boat. I had that experience when um, Dave became a youth pastor and he went to Haiti on a men's group. And he came home from that mission trip and he said, I want to take a group of teenagers to Haiti. 
world. And I was like, what? And I had never been on a mission trip. Um, I had, whether it be stateside or in a foreign country. I had only been, well, I've been to Mexico a couple times as a teenager, um, and Dave and I were in St. Martin on our honeymoon. But other than that, I hadn't been to a foreign country. And I remember um, thinking to myself, I can't lead a group of teenagers unless I go first, um, because I wanted to know yeah. what I was going to experience. And so the mission organization that Dave wanted to go with, which was the same organization he went with, um, I looked on their website and they had a women's trip coming up that November. And he went in the summertime or February or something, and they had a trip in November for women. And so I thought, well, I'm just going to bite the bullet and I'm going to do it. And it was not in my wheelhouse. It was not in my comfort zone. I had never been on a mission trip. I went on a trip with, I think there was 38 other women there. I knew no one. Um, I flew by myself from Portland to Miami. Um, they had women from all over the country going on this trip. And so they flew us all into Miami the night before. And they put me in a hotel room um, with three other women that I didn't know that were all together with another group. <coughs> And then we all flew out the next morning um, to go to Haiti. And I didn't know what to expect. Um, I was scared to death. Um, and I can honestly say, if I had taken a mission trip before marrying Dave, I would have been a full-time missionary. Um, it was one of the best experiences of my life. Um, Praise God. It was, I was violently ill the first day because of the medication that I had to take for malaria. Um, but once we got out of Port-au-Prince and into Grand Guad and we started working with the community, it was so amazing. And to be able to see the love for Jesus that these people have is amazing. I mean, they have nothing, literally nothing. And they praise Jesus for everything. And it's just, it's amazing. And I love the worship service itself was probably the best experience because Haitian people, and I've seen this like on other videos I've seen of like other third world countries, <coughs> they uh, sing at the top of their lungs completely off key <laughs> because they don't care. They are praising the Lord. Amen. 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 <laughs> so my point here is um, be prepared to step out of that, that comfort zone, that boat. Um, because there's going to be times in our life where God's going to say, I want you to do this. And you're going to say, but Lord, I can't. But you can't on your own. You can't through him. Yes. And so we have to have the faith that says, okay, Lord, I will step out of the boat. And so my third, my third point is that without Jesus, you will sink. That's for sure. Yeah. Going back to what I just said, he's going to ask you to do things that you're not comfortable with. Sure. And if you try and do them on your own, you are going to sink. That's right. Because when he's asking you to do it, he wants to go with you. And he wants to do it with you. 
And so life is full of storms, both big and small. Um, sometimes there's storms that we can see and anticipate coming, and sometimes they just come up so suddenly. <coughs> we're just not quite sure how to handle it. But the only way to handle it is with Jesus. Yep. And that's what we need to do, is to focus on him and allow him to help us through the storm. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. And just in life in general, when you take your eyes off of Jesus, um, you will fall into temptation. Thank you, Mark. So when you take your eyes off of Jesus, whether you're doing something that he has asked you to do or just in life in general, that's when we fall into temptation. Our mind wanders. We start to veer in another direction. We start hanging out with the wrong people. We start doing things we wouldn't normally do. And so the biggest lesson for me in this section to keep your eyes focused on Jesus and to allow him to guide you where he wants you to go. Because when you follow Jesus, he's going to do incredible things. Yes. Man. Thank you. I went to on a mission, a different mission trip to the Navajo Nation. I told you in the week I was working the book before. This was in 2012. And I had been to Haiti, I think, eight different times um, between the time that we went. The first time we went was in 2001. And so between 2001 and 2011, I think I went to Haiti eight different times. Um, twice we took teenagers and the other six times were women's groups. And then in uh, September of 2011, um, no, January of 2011 was the last trip I took to Haiti. And it was the year after they had a big earthquake down there. And then the following year, in 2012, I've got my years all mixed up. So, anyway, um, in September of 2015, I went on a mission trip to 2015. I went on a mission trip to the Navajo Nation in Arizona, outside of Tupelo, and it was with the same organization that we had gone to be with. And Dave and I had been out of um, ministry as youth pastors for about six to eight years at that point. And while we missed the teenagers, um, we just didn't feel between that time that the Lord was really calling us to come back to ministry. And so we were waiting for him and said, okay, Lord, you know, it's not supposed to be, then you won't. But um, you never want to do something that the Lord doesn't call you to do. Um, we actually were at a youth conference one time, and a leader, one of the speakers actually said, if you can do anything other than being a pastor, do it. Because the Lord is only going to get behind you if you're doing what he wants you to do. And if you can do something else, then that means the Lord is probably not behind you doing it. So, um, and we found that out. Um, so 
I got on this mission trip to the Navajo Nation, and I called Bay the night after we did, or the night we did the youth program, and I was the one that led the youth group because I was the only one with um, teenager experience and the only one um, who was willing to do it. And I loved it, and I missed it. And I called Dave and said, we've got to go back and do this. And I told Dave, um, you know, we need to figure out how to do this. And so he was like, you know, I've been thinking about that too. And so we started, we did, literally we opened our doors four months later. I mean, it was that quick that we decided to do the nonprofit and um, get it started. And we have watched the Lord do incredible things yeah, in the Lord. Um, and it's, we've actually seen the Lord do incredible things through some of our old students. We have some former students from the Astoria area that are missionaries in Mexico and have started their own ministry down there. Um, we have other um, teenager, I mean, we have teens that have teens now. And it's just scary. <laughs> You know, when you've been in youth ministry as long as we have, that's bound to happen. But we're watching and seeing the Lord work in all of these teenagers' lives, and it's so incredible. Thank you, Lord. And so, Lord, hallelujah. If you're walking with the Lord and you're listening to Him and you're being obedient to Him and you're doing what He wants you to do, He is going to do incredible things through your life. Yes, um, Lord. Yes. He wants to tell a good story and He wants to do these things. But you have to be willing to step out of the boat and do that. I imagine Peter probably talked about walking on water, even though it was probably two steps. You know, we don't know how long he walked on the water. But you know what? He probably told anybody he could what he was able to do with Jesus. Yes, amen. And I had never thought about that before, but when something awesome happens, don't you just tell everybody? Yeah, you want to tell. And so I'm sure that's what Peter did. He just told everybody, dude, I just walked on water. You know? And you think about those other 11 disciples, and they're thinking, oh, I missed it. <laughs> and the last point I want to make is worship is our only response. You know, those disciples, when Jesus got back in the boat, they worshiped. And that should be our response in everything. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Even in the through the storms of life. Um, you know, even in this big storm on the sea, the disciples worshiped him. And if you have studied scripture and you look at this story, this is the very first time that the disciples acknowledged Jesus as the Son of God. They hadn't done that up to this point, and this was the first time they did. Yeah. And so when we're in the storms of life, we need to seek him in the midst of those storms. Yes, hallelujah. And his, bring, his peace is going to bring us to a place of worship. And that's where he wants us, and that's where we want to be. I'm going to show you guys a quick video. Um, it's from Francis Chan. If any of you knows who, who Francis Chan is, um, I think he's amazing. And to give you a little background on Francis Chan, um, he is an American author, um, speaker, pastor, um, evangelist, um, missionary. He started a church in 1994 in Simi Valley, California, with 30 people. And he left the church in 2011-ish, 
and it's a mega church with 1,600 people or so at that time. And he left the church at that point because he felt like um, he wasn't doing enough to bring people to Jesus. And so he started um, doing home churches and teaching pastors how to do home church and um, anybody who really wanted to learn. And then in 2020, uh, 2020, he felt the Lord calling him to Hong Kong. And he and his family, they sold everything and up and moved to Hong Kong to be missionaries in the poorest community in Hong Kong, which is actually where his family was from. And his plan had been to stay there long term, um, but his visa expired and they couldn't renew his visa. And so he had to come back to the States in 2021, um, probably seeking to compensate his stuff now. I don't know if he's pastored a church or anything right now, but I know that um, from what I read on the internet, he does plan on back to Hong Kong. Um, at some point if he can. And so I want you guys to watch this video. It's called The Fallacy. So much instability, so much that we don't understand, that, that we don't know. For me, growing up, it was, uh, a lot of you guys know my mom died giving birth to me. And my dad remarried. Then my stepmom died in a car accident when I was nine. Then my dad got married again. Then my dad died of cancer when I was 12. And so I'm in junior high. My mom's dead. My stepmom's dead. My dad's dead. The only close relatives I had were my, my aunt and uncle, George and Sandra. And then when I was in high school, they got in a fight. And my uncle George shot and killed my aunt and then stuck the gun to his own head. Killed himself. So I'm 16 years old. And this is life to me going, man, what's next? Everything seems to be falling apart, and we get a little worried. We get a little scared. And this is what Christians do. You know, they try to serve God, but then things get a little rocky, and things get a little unstable. And so we go, okay, that was nuts. I don't, I don't, want, to, I don't want to live like that. Let me, uh, let me hold on. And this is your routine. This is what so many people do. They go, you know what? I'm not going to try anything crazy. I'm just going to sit here, and uh, I'm just going to hold on, and... Uh, this is what you look like. You just go, uh, this is what people do. You know what? I'm just going to have my nice little family. We're just going to, um, you know, we're just going to keep to ourselves. We're going to live in a gated community. I'm going to homeschool my kids, make them wear helmets everywhere. I'm going to, um, you know, I'm not going to let them outside because sun has bad rays. I'm going to, um, you know, just on and on and on. And you just live your life in the safety of I don't want to do anything crazy for God. I just... I just want to, you know, go to church on Sundays and maybe give like 2% um, and uh, maybe serve help the nursery because I feel guilty. And then you do this your whole life. And then you, you go, your greatest prayer is like, God, you know what? I would love to die in my sleep and not even feel it and then just go up to heaven. And so you want to die like this, just in your sleep, ooh, right in the middle of a dream, good dream, the dream you're going to heaven and you don't even feel it. And then suddenly you wake up. You stand before the judge and you go. <laughs> now, if uh, could you imagine, could you imagine watching the Olympics, you know, and some girl does that, just gets up there, starts straddling the thing and then steps off and goes. 
What is the judge supposed to do on the card? You see, and to me, I go, man, that's the routine that so many Christians are headed for. That's the routine, the boring, I do nothing crazy because I don't want to fall. That's the routine that they're going to live. And then one day it's going to be a shock because they're going to step off that balance beam and realize they're standing before the judge. They're standing before the judge and you think he's going to look at that routine and go, wow, well done. Well done. You lived the safest life possible. You didn't slip. You didn't fall. See, that's not the life that God's called us to. That's where the majority will head. But I don't want to go where the majority goes. to do to get out of our comfort zone. 
And I will tell you from experience that the more you step out of your comfort zone and do those things, the more comfortable they become. That's right. And yeah. it's not as uncomfortable to do it. Exactly. Um, for me, the first time I stood up here and preached, I was scared to death. Um, but now I kind of look at all of you as family. Yes. And you guys give us a lot of grace. I mean, we, we needed grace this morning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you guys gave us a lot of grace. And I don't feel uncomfortable anymore. Thank you, Lord. Teenagers is not a problem. But as much as I get a little nervous. But you guys keep me grounded. Um, look around and see where opportunities you can fulfill. You know, making a meal for somebody. Um, Debbie sat here last week and said that she was going in for back surgery next month and that she would need assistance. You know, I would love to see this church rally around her and everybody pick a day, you know, and come over and just visit her and help her. I remember when my mom went through that same back surgery and she needed somebody with her to help her for the first several weeks. And, you know, I'd love to see that. I'd love to see this church do that for her. Um, and what kind of a testimony is that to maybe her family who may not know Jesus? Are you back? You know, that's what brings people to know the Lord, is when they see Jesus in you doing things that most people won't. And so I just want to encourage you guys, um, step out of the boat. Yeah. Um, don't expect to straddle the balance beam. And make it. And have Jesus say, well done. <laughs> <laughs> that illustration would be a curse. It was like, okay, I gotta figure out the message around the boat. It's really good. Um, so step out of the boat and keep your eyes focused on the Lord. Allow Him to fill you with that peace that only He Calm the storms in your life. Amen. So let's pray. Father God, Lord, thank you for Peter and his boldness to step out of the boat. Lord, I just pray that each and every one of us, Lord, would just keep our eyes focused on you. And when we hear you calling us to step out of the boat, Lord, that we would take that plunge. Lord, that we would be willing to do it and do it immediately. Yes. Lord, I thank you for just the opportunity to share your word. Lord, I pray that you would just go with us this week. Lord, help us to see a need and fill that need. Thank you, Jesus. In your name, Jesus. I pray. Amen. Thanks, Gina. All right. Can't help but think of Peter. I wonder if he thought Jesus was daring. You know, Peter. Okay, I'll take that. Here. I'll take that dare. <laughs>